hey, I just wanted before I start a big thank you. Because the reality is, is I am able to plant a church in Placerville because nine years ago you sent Jen and Drew to go plant in Sacramento. Like it's the same heartbeat, it's the same DNA. So for you in this room, we're like, it cost a lot. It cost a lot for you to send Jen and Drew. They're incredible people. I love them. And like, thank you. Because I know like gospel goodbyes are not easy. They're really difficult, but they are good. And like seeing the kingdom move forward in Placerville is a direct representation of how you in this room sent Jen and Drew nine years ago to plant a church in Sacramento. That's incredible. And so I want to say, like on behalf of my wife Katie and I, thank you. Thank you for giving me Todd as crazy as he is to invest in me. We talk every other week and it is, I tell Katie every time, man, I just love Todd. I told one of my, my worship guy up in Placerville, man, if I could just be Todd when I grow up, we'd be great. And he goes, you gotta set higher standards, man. <laughs> but that's how much I adore Todd and Julie, and that's how much I adore what God has done here at RCC. So thank you for who you are. Hey, um, has anybody in the room, so I'm going to interact, I'm going to ask questions. Has anybody in the room ever experienced something that you're like, how did I end up here? Right? Okay, good. I want to tell you a little story about when I was a, just graduated college in Louisiana. My former roommate gives me a call one day. And I'm sitting around with a bunch of dudes on the couch. Katie, my wife, had just come back from the Disney College program. We weren't even dating at that time, so it's not a big deal. She'll say something. She'll say something otherwise later, but here we go. Um, and I get a call, and he's like, hey, man, do you want to go to Philly? As nonchalant as possible. And I'm like, Philadelphia, Texas? Like, what are you talking? Who wants to go to Philadelphia, Texas? And he goes, no, like Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm like, bro, we haven't talked in like six months. Why are you calling me? You want to go to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania? And he was like, I've got a buddy who plays for the Eagles I that I went to high school with. I really want to go up there. I'm looking for someone to drive 24 hours through the night with me. <laughs> we'll stay at his house, and he's got his tickets to the game tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like... As dumb as I possibly can, let's do it. <laughs> so we hop in a car, and man, those 24 hours, we didn't sleep. We talked about, we listened to our favorite classic rock hits. Like, we had incredible conversations of his wrestle with, like, this Southern Baptist background of duty and obligation and perfection to follow Jesus. And I'm there, I'm like, hey, I'm at this sweet place where I'm starting to understand the joy of Jesus. And then we get there, and it's, it's an incredible, it was hilarious. He's a, he, like, grew up a diehard Cowboys fan, and we're watching the Eagles. I'm like, this is great. But it was one of those trips that I never thought that I would be in, but God used in an incredible way in my life, in his life, that I couldn't explain. Maybe this is some of your stories. Maybe for some of you in here, you grew up a huge UCLA fan. 
and you're like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to UCLA, and then time to come, like, time, like, school applications start coming around, and you're like, well, I got into USC. Don't know if I want to. <laughs> there we go. I love it. Yes. I nailed it, Tom. There we go. <laughs> but it was the best decision, so much so you were in the USC Hawaiian shirt on Sunday morning. Maybe you were like, I don't know how long I want to work for an almond company. I got hired on with Blue Almond, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to work for this company. But you're 35 years in, and it's opened up so many doors and opportunities for you to share the gospel, this joy of Jesus with people you never would have experienced. And maybe it was something that was difficult. Maybe it was an addiction that you went. Maybe it was something hard, but now you get opportunities to share with people that you never would have had opportunities to share with. So my summary statement this morning is this. In God's supreme power and authority, he will put us in situations that we don't love, but are always opportunities to experience our joy in him and tell others about finding joy in him. Would you pray with me before we get rolling? Jesus, you are good. You are powerful. You are almighty. You are Lord of lords. And we get to celebrate your glory this morning. You love us. You love us so much that we get to experience joy in you here today. And so I pray that that would be abundantly clear in your word, through me. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so I want to start with this. I want to start with my first point today. Is we're going we're gonna to hop around in Acts 23 and 24. So stick with me. It's a lot of text. Got some, and, <laughs> I love Todd. Todd goes, yeah, I probably should have told you you didn't have to preach all Acts 23 and Acts 24. But, you know, it's too late now, so have fun. <laughs> God's supreme power and authority brings us to places that we're not expecting. Read with me Acts 23, 1 through 5. It says this, In looking intently at the council, Paul says, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Here's the reality, right? I, now it's my fault, my clicker. Um, okay, so here's the reality. Sometimes these places hurt, okay? Sometimes these places that Paul, like, gets brought into, they hurt. He's physically beat here. And why is he physically beat? He's physically beat because he, they think that he's going to overthrow this rules and regulations and all these things. And all Paul is talking about, this isn't a, this is not a governmental idea. What Paul is saying, this is about lordship. This is about who my true king is, not about how all the things are going on in your little worlds here. Sometimes these places hurt. Like Paul's getting smoked. He's getting beat up in this spot. And you'll read with me in verse 3 here. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. And you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck. 
You know, sometimes we get mad. Sometimes God's going to put us in places and spaces where we're like, I'm angry. I don't like getting hurt. I don't like being I don't like being in these spots. And Paul has no clue at this point, like, who's the one who's actually directing him? Which we're going to see here in verse 4. Those who stood by said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. And the thing, sometimes we put our foot in our mouths. Like Paul's putting his foot in his mouth. He's like, uh-oh, I just made the complete wrong decision there. Now, for those of you who are married in the room, you'll fully understand this. Oftentimes, whenever uh, I say something that's not kind to my wife, what she'll say is, is hey, do you want to try that again? And uh, what she's saying is, let's try not be a jerk this time. And this is, the, this is one of the moments for Paul. He's saying, hey, oh, man, I forgot. I didn't realize. I wasn't trying to revile. I'm not trying to be ugly here. What he's saying is, is no, like, I'm putting my foot in my mouth. But there's a humility that Paul experiences where he's saying, hey, listen, I missed it here. And the reality is, is God's going to put us in these sorts of situations in our life. He's going to put us in situations that, that hurt. He's going to put us in situations where we're mad. He's going to put us in situations where we end up putting our foot in our mouth. Piper has this great quote that I love that we quote all the time at Vintage, and we're going to quote all the time at Vintage Possible. God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. See, our truth and our application to us is, is, that, is that in these moments, it's easy for us to be like, I don't want this. I don't, I don't want to deal with the pain. Some of you went through the hurricane last week, and you're like, why can I not get out of California? But God has you here for a reason. Because there are people who are your neighbors who need to experience joy. God's going to use you to allow his glory to be shown to your neighbors. See, we tend to think about situations, we tend to think about our relationship with God as God's going to put us through the easiest situations possible, and that's not the gospel at all. The gospel is, hey, you're going to go through some of the hardest situations you've ever been through in your life, and you're going to find more joy in those situations than you've ever experienced in your life because Jesus is holding you fast through every single one of those situations. Just think about Paul. Paul is starting this path here where this supreme power and authority does not make sense to him at all. Like it makes zero sense. Read with me. Verse 12. When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and the elders and said, we have strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food until we've killed Paul. Like, talk about intense here, guys, right? Like, crazy. Now, therefore, you, along with the council, 
give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you as though you are going to determine his case more exactly. And we are ready to kill him before he comes near. Now the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush, so he went and he entered the barracks and told Paul, Paul called one of the centurions and said, take this young man to the tribune, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul, the prisoner called me and asked me to bring this young man to you, as he has something to say to you. The tribune took him by the hand and going aside, Going aside, asked him privately, what is it that you have to tell me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow, as though they were going to inquire something more closely about him. But do not be persuaded by them, for more than 40 of their men are lying in ambush, who have bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the tribune dismissed the young man, charging him, tell no one that you have informed me of these things. Whoa. Talk about God's supreme power and authority that does not make sense to us. Now, anybody in the room get hangry? Did you notice this text? Like, they're so mad at Paul they're specifically getting hangry. We're not going to eat and we're not going to drink until we kill Paul. Now, there's a specific rage that bubbles in you when you get angry about something. Add being hangry to that mix and there's a completely different rage that comes out. This is what they're experiencing here. It's a whole different level of anger and malice and malicious intent to try and kill Paul. But, but I love this because does this trouble God? Not at all. Not at all. Whoops, wrong, wrong button. This doesn't trouble God at all so much so this plan that we see here who does he bring onto the scene? A kid. A kid with no name. Now, if I tell my six-year-old, hey, can you go tell mom something? Easy. She's in it. She's telling mom exactly what it is. But if I tell my three-year-old, hey, go tell mom something, five minutes later, she's in a room playing. So it's a, it's a hit or miss, depending on the type of kid that you send to go convey this news. We're talking about the sovereign God of the universe using Paul's nephew to tell these rulers an authority, hey, don't send Paul there. Talk about God being in control, his sovereign power ruling and reigning. A kid. Think about that for a second. These people who are hangry, they're upset, they're trying to kill Paul. They've created this incredible plan and God's like, hey, Paul, I'm going to send your nephew to go talk to these people to make sure that they trust you. It's incredible. Now, I, God uses unlikely people in our lives that we may say, I was not expecting that. I'm a big sports guy. If you haven't gotten that so far, our youngest son is named Wrigley. We're not Cubs fans. We just love classic baseball. That's the first question. So I love, does anybody else love a good underdog story in here? Yeah. 
Rocky Balboa, Invincible, all the classics, right? Until there was a real-life underdog story that happened a few years ago. Jeremy Lin pops out of the stage. This basketball player from Harvard. Out of all the places to play basketball, Harvard is not one of the schools that you're like, yep, that's where we identify talent. And Jeremy Lin bursts onto the scenes for the New York Knicks. And he's playing so well. And then he has the matchup with one of my favorite players of all time, Kobe Bryant. And I'm like, this is going to be fascinating to watch. Kobe's about to shut him down. The whole media is going to be like, oh, he's not that good, all that sort of stuff. He drops 38 on Kobe. One of the best basketball players of all time. This guy from Harvard. And it's incredible because in this situation, this unlikely hero becomes incredible at basketball and beats one of the best players to ever walk the planet. And oftentimes, God uses unlikely people in our life. People who are those underdog stories that we never would have thought God could use to show his power in incredible ways. Now, I'm sure we have a lot of Lakers fans in here, so sorry if I caused any PTSD for you. But this frees us, frees us in this room to faithfully follow God. Because here's the reality. God's going to use you in his power not based upon your ability. In fact, he's going to use you as, a, as the person you are, as inadequate as you are, as, it is, as you feel, hey, I don't have this together. He's going to use you. Because the reality is, is that no one else is a neighbor to your neighbor who loves Jesus except for you. No one's going to care about the barista in the coffee shop the way that you do every single day. It's these moments the ways that God has gifted you in specific, unique ways. And oftentimes we think, hey, I got to have the seminary degree. I got to be able to be a Bible thumper. And yes, study God's word. We love God's word. But God's going to use you not because of your ability, but because of his power in your life. And what that does is that brings us That God's sovereignty always brings us places to share the joy. Acts 23.6 is where I want to start here. Now when Paul perceived that one part of the Sadducees and the other were Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and resurrection of the dead that I am on on trial. So, do you guys see this? God's using Paul's background in this situation. Not that Paul was awesome by any means. He's using Paul's background as an opportunity to share the gospel with Pharisees and Sadducees in this situation. He's saying, oh yeah, you want to talk about the resurrection? I love to talk about the resurrection. Now, I experience it differently than you do. But I would love to talk about the resurrection. Paul is able to identify with the Pharisees about the resurrection. He's open 
bold in its gracious awe at the same time. Think about this in your life. Just for a moment. Think about those things that you grew up with that you're just really passionate about. Could be surfing. Could be golfing. It could be any, it could be doing macrame. All of these things are moments and things for you that God is going to use to proclaim his glory. How incredible is that? Talk about the sovereignty of God. He's going to use people knitting kilts. What? It's unbelievable. And we're going to see here. 24, 10 through 23. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheered, cheerfully make my defense. He could verify that it is not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. And they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophecies, having a hope in God, which these men's th- then, men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. This is a reg- resurrection Paul was just talking about here. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you to make an accusation. Should they have anything else against me or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they have found when I stood before the council. Other than this one thing I cried out while standing among them is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge, that's a great place to highlight, rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off saying when Lysias, the tribe, tribune comes down. I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody because, but have some liberty and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. So do you guys see how Paul is using, or God is using Paul being a Pharisee in order to share this joy? What, what did we just see there? He's like, yes, I I know him. Felix had an accurate knowledge of the way. How do we think that happens? Because Paul is just engaging with Felix. He's just around. Felix summons him to have conversations. Felix brings him into places that, that, hey, listen, Paul's like, I never thought we'd get to these spots. But he's having these conversations so much so that the text highlights Felix has this accurate knowledge of the way. And it's incredible to think about when you think about Acts and you think about the prison epistles and what is going to take place. Because Paul ends up in custody in order to accomplish what he said he was going to do in verse 11, which is to send Paul to Rome. God's going to work in incredible ways in our lives. 
He does work in incredible ways in our lives, and we're not going to see it. That doesn't mean God is any less faithful. In fact, it shows his love for us. It shows his love for his people because he's going to use you and me in places and spaces that we never would have found ourselves in. And one of those places is here. After some days, Felix came up with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about the righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him and conversed with him. When the two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. He's got the relationship. He's thinking everything's going to go awesome, and he's left in prison. But is this outside the plan of God? No. Exactly the plan that God had. You to keep him in prison. And it's hard, and you may not love it, but there's more joy in this space than anything you could have imagined. Because being aware, like Paul, is really knowing the people on our pray watch list. I have a couple stories that I want to share with you. Because God uses Paul in prison. And it's, it's, it's hard for us to think about because the reality is, is, is when we're in different spaces, we're like, okay, I get so focused on like my present circumstances that how could I ever find joy in these spots? But this is exactly what God's inviting us into. Exactly what he's inviting us into. So much so, verse 24 says this. Oh, too far. Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent Paul, and he heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. Now, two stories I want to share with you quickly. One, one of my favorite stories that I get to tell about vintage Placerville. I'm coaching softball with, for our oldest daughter, who's six. And three moms are living on mission on our softball team. And they're just like trying to figure out, okay, who are these moms who are either going through a tough time or really great that I'm just going to like invest in? Not that I know, not that I have anything to do with salvation. God's going to use me. And so three of these ladies start investing in this lady named Presley. Presley was a USC swimmer. She was inc- she's incredible, a mom of four. Her husband at the time is the head football coach of the high school in our town. And Presley gets invited by these three moms to come do a bunko night at the church. And she comes. This is the first, like, bunko, right? Like, this is the first time she's been to church in years. Like, hasn't been to church, has never really experienced it. Like, oh, you can have fun here. One of the ladies brought a bottle of wine because she had no idea what you couldn't do that at church unless you're taking communion. Like, this is the sort of stuff that happens. Well, that starts six months of Presley asking questions to these three moms. Hey, what does it look like to follow Jesus? Hey, there's something different about you. There's a joy in you that I know I don't have. Can you talk to me about that? 
hey, tell me a little bit about Jesus that you follow. Tell me a little bit about going to church. Why do you go to church? Well, fast forward to last summer. Presley, mid-30s, mom of four, oldest of seven, diagnosed with stage four cancer. She picks up the phone. She calls me. She knows I'm a pastor. She goes, I don't know if God will save me, but I believe in Jesus. Can we, can I get baptized? She goes, I found more joy than I could have ever imagined, even with stage four cancer. Joy, stage four cancer. Go and we baptize her before she heads off to Houston for treatment in MD Anderson. Now, God, God does an incredible thing. She's in complete remission right now. But that's not even the best part of the story. What's the best part of the story? She's bringing people who don't love Jesus to our first preview service last weekend. Come on! That's amazing! Talk about using people that you never would have been thought to be used by. Because they've experienced this joy. This is what we're talking about. God's sovereign purpose, sovereign plan, where even the best doctors in the world are giving you less than a 5% chance to live. God says, I make ordinary work out of that. You're going to be used for my glory. That's the beauty of God's sovereignty in our story. So much so that I love our people at Vintage Grace. And, and I, I, we live in Placerville. We love living in Placerville. It's quite an eclectic town, to say the least. You got people who are your mountain people who are on a bunch of land, big beards, want nothing to do with people that get along with a bunch of hipsters and hippies who live downtown Placerville. It's wild. Nothing like I've ever experienced before. And so I'm at my favorite coffee, coffee shop last week called Pachamama. And Drew's like, hey, one of the ways that we can love the city is, is can you go talk to Pachamama, see if they'll give us a discount for gift cards? Because you know Drew, he's a big cheapo. Um, <laughs> I love Drew. I just hope you guys know that. And I'm like, sure, totally. So I go up to the manager, Katie. And she's there, not my wife, different Katie. She's there. She's in her early 20s, and she runs this coffee shop. And I'm like, hey, um, we're planning a church, and we love to give out gifts regularly to people who are new at Vintage Grace. We love to send out um, gift cards to them. Is there any way that I can, I don't mind paying full price now, but is there any way that we can get like a dollar off or a discount or something like that? She's like, oh, yeah. Let me run it up the food chain, but this sounds great. And she goes, hey, can I ask you a little bit more about your church? And I'm like, yeah, what do you want to know? She goes, yeah, well, I go to a church in Folsom. And she goes, and it's just so far for me to drive there. None of my friends want to go there. And I'm like, that's why we're planting in, in Placerville. It's like, I want us to be for the city. I want us to be living on mission in our city. I want us to have this heartbeat where you're able to invite your friends because the reality is our friends aren't going to drive 35 minutes to church with us, but they will come eat dinner with us the night before and be invited to come five minutes down the road. The fa my favorite pa part about our people is that we've experienced this joy and it is contagious. It's beautiful. 
And oftentimes, he does this in all of our lives. We just need to open our eyes. We need to open our eyes and see how God's working and moving and ask the simple question, God, what are you inviting me into? I want to close with this. God's going to put you in spots that we are not expecting. I never thought that I would end up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, out of all the places. I never thought that Jeremy Lin would be the guy to put up 38 on Kobe. A guy from Harvard. Never would have thought. I never would have thought God would use someone like me. An unchurched, baseball-loving, big nerd, not convincing. That's what he does. God's going to put us in spots that don't make sense to us. My wife's from Louisiana. All of her family lives an hour away from each other. We moved to Placerville. The first day that we are there, she goes, I never want to move again. What? Now, I'm with her. Neither do I. But I'm like, this doesn't make sense. This makes zero sense from, like, the world that we live in. You're away from... Excuse me, away from grandparents, you're away from everything, but this is what God does. He puts us in spaces and places that don't make sense to us, but we'd find more joy in that space than anywhere else we'd rather be. Lastly, God always puts us in places to share this joy. Everywhere. Doesn't matter if it's your favorite coffee shop or you're just having a conversation with the barista doesn't matter if it's the moms on your softball team. doesn't matter if it's the high school teacher that your kid is like, this teacher is the worst teacher I've ever had in my entire life. It doesn't matter. These are all specific places God has brought you into to share the joy. Because here's the beauty of it, is that we get to share this joy. They don't have it. No wonder why they're miserable. Like, yes, it makes total sense. But when we get to share this joy, they get to experience something that they have never experienced before in their life. Would you pray with me? God, you are incredible. You are so good. You bring us into these places and spaces we never could have imagined. And you bring us into spots that only you could put us in for our joy. And so I pray for us today that there's one question that we would ask every single morning to wake up. There's one thing that we would remember as we leave this place today. And the simple question is this. God, what are you inviting us into? Because the reality is, God, is you're working in 10,000 ways and we may only see three. And you're going to put us in really hard situations. You're going to put us in situations that we don't always love. But you always have a purpose. So when we cannot trace what you're doing in those situations, let us trust your heart. These are situations for your good, for your glory, and our joy. In Jesus' name we pray.